As you'll see, we're trying to reduce our sermon time considerably, uh, given the fact that you're sitting there in masks. So um, this was especially a challenge with uh, this wide section of scripture on Stephen. So please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 6, verse 8. You can also see these, this passage in your bulletin. Uh, it, this morning we're going to be considering, as you see the title, The Witness of Stephen. We first met Stephen last week. He's one of the seven men that were chosen to oversee the mercy ministry to the widows who had believed in Jesus. Now, we'll read about Stephen's ministry in this first section. I'll have to summarize his speech, which takes up almost all of chapter 7. And I urge you to read it. It's a great, great uh, rehearsal of the history of Israel. And then our next section, we'll read what happens because of that speech. Okay, so his ministry that led up to his arrest. Then I'll summarize his speech and then we'll read what uh, happened afterwards. So Acts chapter 6 verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia in Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Then he launches into his speech. It's, as I said, a rehearsal of the story of Israel. It begins with Abraham, ends with Solomon building the temple. And we'll take up the very end of his speech. And actually, the first time, even when you read through the whole thing... You read this history, and then he explodes in this accusation in verse 15. And I remember the first time I read it, it it just was like, story of Israel, boom, accusations. You know, this seemed to come out of nowhere. But as we'll see, Stephen was setting up this final accusation the whole time he was telling the story of Israel because he he was given a particular perspective for us to see. And we'll get to that, but now we're into the explosive accusation in verse 51. At the end of his speech, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God 
and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our strength and redeemer, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So, as we go through this gripping story that Luke has presented to us, I want to underscore what Luke is about in Acts. Not only is he uh, helping us to understand what God did in the church to call us as a church into the same mission, but he is also writing to Theophilus, who we're not sure if he was even a believer or not, this Roman official, to convince him of the things of Christ to convince us of the reality of Jesus, to present Christ to us. And in this instance, to present Christ so that we don't refuse Christ like these leaders did. So we'll look at Stephen's witness first through his ministry that we read first at the end of Acts 6. We read there that Stephen spoke with such wisdom and spirit, his opponents couldn't answer him. His wisdom here recalls the very wisdom of Jesus himself. And this wisdom anticipates the wisdom of Joseph and Moses that Stephen will talk about in his speech. So there's wisdom, but there's also these signs and wonders and in Acts, we've already seen that uh, the, the wonder or heard of the signs and wonders of Jesus and the apostles. And then Stephen is going to tell about the signs and wonders done with Moses. And even in verse 15, we read, Stephen's face became like an angel. This too recalls Moses, whose face shone when he was on the mountain, came down from the mountain with God. And so this indicates how much Stephen is in fellowship with this God. It also indicates that he is full of the Spirit and that he is speaking the very words of God. But you look at what Stephen, at what Luke is doing here. You've got wisdom and you've got the signs and wonders of Joseph, Moses, Jesus, the apostles, and Stephen. What a company of pivotal men who changed the course of, of, of the, the, uh, the work of God as God used them. And he displays Stephen here as this towering prophetic figure raised up by God 
to proclaim this climactic warning to the very leaders in Jerusalem. And it is a warning that we must hear as well. At the same time, in Stephen, there's a new advance in persecution as well. As these thousands of Jews became followers of Jesus in Jerusalem, the Jewish leaders continued to persecute them. And in this instance, the persecution comes first from the Jews scattered in the eastern Mediterranean who also belonged to this uh, synagogue devoted to those who'd been freed of their slavery. Synagogues here, of course, for teaching as the temple was devoted to worship. So, as Luke has presented it so far, this is how it's gone. Ministry of the apostles, arrest and warning. Ministry of the apostles, arrest and flogging. Ministry of Stephen, arrest and execution. So you see, in Stephen, proclamation and persecution have reached this peak in Jerusalem. And it is this day that the church is scattered into Judea and Samaria. This marks the move of the church from the locale of Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. So this is Stephen's witness in his ministry. Now Stephen's witness in his defense in chapter 7. This is the longest recorded discourse in the whole book of Acts. Not Peter, not Paul, it's Stephen. His defense is actually an offense against these Jewish leaders. He shows that these leaders are doing the same thing that their ancestors did, as he says, as as we read. Now, first, he rehearses how Joseph's brothers sold Joseph into Egypt, but it's interesting. He doesn't say Joseph's brothers. He says, the patriarchs sold Joseph. He did that on purpose to connect the patriarchs to these leaders. It's as though he's saying, like fathers, like sons. But though they rejected him and sold him into slavery, we know God exalted him to be the ruler over Egypt and to be the deliverer of his own people, those very patriarchs. So that's Joseph. Then he he goes to Moses, and Moses sought to deliver the Israelites, yet they rejected him. You can see under your second point this little section of Scripture that I've included from chapter 7. And the first verse, 35, reads, This Moses, whom they had previously rejected, God sent as their ruler and redeemer. You see the same pattern as with Joseph? Though they rejected Moses, God exalted him to be the ruler and deliverer of his people. And and then Stephen goes on to say, and it didn't stop there. You rejected God in the wilderness. And then your whole uh, life as as a nation, all of your fathers, the whole history is riddled with rebellion and idolatry. And now... Just like your fathers rejected Joseph and rejected Moses, you have now rejected God's Messiah. You're just like them. And as God raised up Joseph to be the deliverer, 
though he was rejected, and raised up Moses to be the deliverer, though he was rejected. So now he has raised Jesus, though you rejected him, to be the final true deliverer of the people of God. You are just like them. And so he bursts forth in verse 51 that we read, you're a stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. These are God's very words to Israel in the Old Testament. And now God is speaking them again to these leaders through Stephen. This is stunning. He calls them uncircumcised. That means you're unchanged. You're hard-hearted. You're completely resistant to God. He's saying this to the religious leaders of Israel. And basically he says, name a prophet that you did not persecute. Name one. Why you persecuted the very prophets who announced the coming of Messiah. And now you betray and murder the Messiah himself. Now remember, this is Jew speaking to Jew. All we had were Jews at this point. As far as we know, there are no uncircumcised people that are believers in Jesus. But here are the Jews duking it out, talking to each other about the reality of Jesus Christ. They accuse Stephen then of speaking against the law, but look at his final devastating indictment. It is you received the law delivered by angels, but you did not keep it. Basically, Stephen ends with this. You leaders of Israel are actually the lawbreakers of Israel. You see, by opposing God's Messiah, these Jewish leaders are opposing God. Only Jews for Jesus are Jews for God. By attacking Jesus and his followers, they've mounted this disastrous attack on God himself. And then this bitter irony by clinging to the physical temple, supposedly the true worship of God, And rejecting the Messiah sent by the God of that temple, these leaders who would adamantly reject that they are idolaters have nonetheless become idolaters just like their forefathers. Just a different kind of way to reject God. So there's the witness of Stephen in his ministry and the witness of Stephen in his defense and Finally, the witness of Stephen in his martyrdom itself. And we read, even as they are enraged against him, Stephen is given this vision of the glory of God and of Jesus standing at his right hand. It is a breathtaking revelation. It indicates several things. I'm with you. And though judged by man, you are vindicated by God. But especially standing is the posture of judgment. As Isaiah 3.13, the Lord stands to judge the peoples. This indicates Jesus' readiness to bring judgment on those who attack his servants. And he addresses him as the son of man. This is the only time that phrase is used outside the Gospels. 
And it almost exclusively was used of Jesus describing himself. And it points to that glorious vision in Daniel 7 where he says, One like the Son of Man came before the Ancient of Days. This is the same vision. The same vision given to Stephen at this moment of his death. The Son of Man before the Ancient of Days. But even then, these leaders put their hands over their ears and will not listen. They refuse the glory of God in Christ that Stephen is announcing to them, even then, even right there. As Stephen had said, uncircumcised hearts, uncircumcised ears. And then, just like Jesus, Stephen says, receive my spirit, but this moving difference as Jesus addressed the father you see who Stephen addressed the Lord Jesus recognizing that he is one with the father he is God himself I entrust myself to you Lord Jesus and like Jesus Stephen asks that the Lord forgive them of their sins the spirit and character of Christ shining brightly in the in in Stephen even in his death, just like his Lord. It's an amazing work of the Holy Spirit that enabled him to proclaim the word and enable him to die in this way. And in the next chapter, this great persecution breaks out against the church and, and they're scattered over Judea and Samaria and they preach the word. Jesus had said, you're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And here marks the move from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. But that's not all. The mention of Saul points to something else. Saul, of course, is going to be converted from being a persecutor of Christ to a follower of Christ. And his name's going to be changed to Paul. And he's going to be the great missionary to Gentiles all across the Roman Empire. And so, because of Paul's presence, not only does the stoning of Stephen mark this turn from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, but it marks and and indicates the future of the gospel going to the end of the earth. In fact, brothers and sisters, this death of, of Stephen anticipates the word coming to you and to me. That's how momentous Stephen's death is. As Luke presents it in Acts. So, what about our response to Jesus? This Jesus died on the cross and in so doing bore the punishment we deserve for sin. Then he was raised from the dead. His resurrection shows that he has fully satisfied the punishment that our sins deserved. There's no more punishment for him. He is released from death. It is over. And for any person who trusts in him, there is no more punishment ever. It's over. Jesus has borne it away. And now he is exalted As the only Savior for all the world. The only Savior for you and for me. And, And here's a hard thing to have to consider. By nature, you and I are just like these leaders. 
We can't stand back and say, oh, look how they... That, it, they represent all of us. The way we come into this world, we, don't, we reject the true God as well. We don't naturally trust him all through the day. We don't naturally adore and honor him all through the day. We don't naturally enjoy him in everything we do. We don't naturally serve him in everything we do. We don't live out our lives completely for him. We know. We know. We all need the forgiveness that only Jesus can give, the forgiveness that these Jewish leaders needed. It was offered to them. And I urge you, don't refuse Jesus like these leaders did. Don't despise the very God who sent his son to rescue you. How amazing is this? God who came from heaven, took on flesh, became our servant to serve in our place. How amazing his love. And I would say in keeping with this passage, don't cover your ears. Don't cover your ears to the glory and goodness of God. And this vision of Jesus at the right hand of God, that's God's declaration to you. He's revealing, this is the reality. This is who rules the world. This Christ you must deal with, for he indeed is at the right hand of God, raised from the dead to give forgiveness for all who would come to him. Through Stephen, God is proclaiming to us the reality of Christ. And so I urge you to come to him right now if you've never come to Christ. And, you know, sometimes we struggle with, well, what should I say? What what do I say to Jesus? What do I say to God? And there are no exact words, for sure. Uh, Just honesty, honesty and and, uh, expressing our our sin and honesty and trusting him to, to save us from our sin. But I am, this morning, going to give some words. Maybe this will help you uh, to, to, to pray uh, something along these lines to just help you feel more confident in how you might approach God if you've never asked him to, for the forgiveness that he offers in Christ. Lord Jesus, I see you as the exalted one who has died for sinners. Lord, my sin is great. Everywhere I look, I see it in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions, Lord Jesus, I trust you to take away forever all the punishment I deserve. I trust you to bring me into the permanent favor of God. And I trust you to change me day after day. I cannot change myself. Give me your spirit, Lord. Give me new life, Lord. Dwell in me, hold me, protect me forever, Lord Jesus. Amen.